as the third decade of the 21st century continues, we all find ourselves living in a world we didn't create and we do not understand. There are too many current challenges to list here, but I suspect many readers and listeners feel a lot of tension about the future. The goal of Charlottesville Community Engagement is to provide a bit of relief in the form of information and context, all with an aim of helping as many people as possible at least try to understand the playing field. I'm Sean Tubbs, and that hope is what's fueled my entire career so far. On today's program, Charlottesville's fire chief gives an update on his efforts to move the fire department into the 21st century by playing a major EMS role. Dr. Denise Bonds of the Blue Ridge Health District updates City Council on COVID and vaccinations, and City Council tells staff to advertise a tax rate increase of 10 cents as they build the budget for fiscal year 23. Today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out goes to Leap. When you think of romance, you might not immediately think of energy efficiency. But the folks at Leap think keeping your family comfortable at home is a great way to show you care during the month of love. Your local energy nonprofit wants to make sure you are getting the most out of your home all year round. And Leap offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If someone in your household is age 60 or older, or you have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. All of today's meeting focuses on City Council, and let's start with the second thing first, followed by the last thing second, and the first thing last. The director of the Blue Ridge Health District appeared before Charlottesville City Council last night for another update on the pandemic. Dr. Denise Bonds reminded Council there's been a surge of COVID cases since December that is only just now beginning to recede. This, of course, represents Omicron, the highly contagious variant um, that caused thousands and thousands of cases across the United States and really the world. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 4,689 new cases, and the percent positivity has further declined to 19.1 percent. Dr. Bonds said there is still a high transmission risk in the community that is much higher than at most parts of the pandemic. She recommends people continue to be vigilant. Uh, even though generally Omicron is much milder and we have a large percentage of our population that are vaccinated uh, and thus either weren't infected or didn't suffer um, an illness that was uh, as serious, um, this high number of unvaccinated individuals in our community are still driving very high hospital numbers. Dr. Bonds said this surge also saw increases in cases with children under the age of 11, particularly with vaccines still not being authorized for those under five. But that may happen in the near future. However, the numbers are really still being driven by adults at this point in time. So far, Dr. Bonds said the Omicron subvariant has yet to be found in Virginia. She urges people to continue to get vaccinated. There have continued to be individuals um, that get their first vaccination. Uh, we're up by almost a thousand individuals from the last time I spoke to you about a month ago. So that's great. 
Dr. Bonds also said it is crucial that people who have not had their booster dose yet to get it as soon as possible. She also encourages people to upgrade their mask from cloth to at least a surgical or medical mask. Yesterday, the Virginia Supreme Court declined to hear a lawsuit filed by parents in Chesterfield County against Governor Glenn Youngkin's revocation of a mask mandate in public schools. Counselor Cena McGill asked Dr. Bonds for her opinion. The CDC definitely recommends that mask use is an important mitigation strategy for both adults and children in school. I no longer have school-aged children, but if I did have school-aged children, I would have them wear masks in school. Dr. Bonds said the long-term ramifications of a COVID infection are still not yet known because even after nearly two years of the pandemic, the virus is still novel. For a list of places where you can get a vaccine, visit the Blue Ridge Health District website. So far this year, City Council has had two discussions of the budget for the next fiscal year, but they gave their first significant direction on Monday night. At their work session last Thursday, Council were told they needed to decide whether they wanted to advertise an increase in the tax rate above $0.95 per $100 of assessed value. For all of that discussion, go back to Saturday's installment of the podcast and newsletter. Senior budget analyst Chrissy Hamill said a five-cent increase in the tax rate would not be enough to cover the additional debt service for a capital improvement plan that includes $75 million for renovations to Buford Middle School. Council also wants to honor the goal of putting $10 million a year toward affordable housing initiatives for at least 10 years. In actuality, the five-cent tax increase does not afford the $75 million addition. Hamill showed a variety of different scenarios, but said five cents are all that is needed to be dedicated to capital. And so 10 cents we don't need. Um, You know, seven isn't quite there, but seven and a half is a little bit is a little more than we need. So I think we're somewhere between seven and eight cents to comfortably cover uh, 75 million. The update to city council was not on the agenda for the meeting, but was delivered during the report from the interim city manager and the deputies. Deputy City Manager Ashley Marshall said comparing tax rates across Virginia doesn't tell the whole picture. For instance, Roanoke has a tax rate of $1.22 per $100 of assessed value, but there's a reason. The average house uh, median house cost is $225,000. So when you think of that and a $1.22 tax rate, it's going to hit a little different than, for example, in Loudoun County, where the average home value is $625,000. This year, residential assessments went up 11.7%, and 67 households have lost the ability to apply for tax relief because they now exceed the $375,000 cap for assessments. The city would have to ask the General Assembly for a charter amendment next year to increase that amount. Hamill showed one slide that depicted how much of a tax crease would occur. For instance, a hypothetical property assessed at $300,000 paid $3,487 in property taxes in 2021. That would increase to $3,895 in 2022 without a tax rate increase. With a $0.10 tax increase, that would increase to $4,305 in 2022. 
Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders said a $0.10 tax increase would allow more funding for the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund to meet the affordable housing goal, a local match to extend a federal grant for firefighters, and more. The $0.10 advertisement had the support of Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade. And I think that at least, even though we may not do the whole $0.10, cents, um, that I, to give staff the direction tonight, at least to go with that, so we know we can't go higher, but we certainly can go lower. Councillor Michael Payne said he would support that rate, but expressed frustration during the discussion, at one point saying his hair was on fire. We're, we're not even having a serious conversation until you begin with a 10 cent real estate tax increase because otherwise it's not affordable. So I'm comfortable with advertising that at the rate to start our conversation, but I still don't think we're that gets us to a point where we're having a realistic and honest conversation about the state of our budget. Mayor Lloyd Snook said he was concerned about raising the property tax rate this year because of the assessment increase, but did call Charlottesville undertaxed. He said he wanted to advertise a half percent raise in the meals tax that would yield just over $1.25 million, according to staff projections. But meals tax, we are at the moment, I believe, a little, just a, a little bit on the low side, and that would, might give us a million plus more a year. Councillor Brian Pinkston said he supported the advertisement of 10 cents. I'm not personally convinced yet that we need to raise it by a dime. Maybe we do, maybe it's seven and a half cents. I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a nickel. But I, for me, just the purposes of this conversation tonight is the advertisement piece. Councillor Cena McGill took ownership. I support advertising. It was my idea. With that, the recommendation was officially made, and check the classified section of the Daily Progress this weekend. The unscheduled conversation took about an hour. At this point, do keep in mind and remember that advertising a tax rate is not the same as adopting one. There are a lot more variables that may come into play between now and April. Some other budget items that were brought up during the discussion include the potential of using $3 million in American Rescue Plan Act funding to pay back the general fund for the use of fiscal year 21 surplus money to pay bonuses to employees related to COVID. The school system is also hoping to use up to $8 million in ARPA funding towards school reconfiguration. That's still a number which is not in any of the scenarios that I presented to you. Hamill said the budget staff is also anticipating a surplus in fiscal year 22, as well as in previous years. A lot of our sort of big revenues, um, they are performing better than we had originally projected as we continue to recover from COVID. Charlottesville City Council will be presented with the fiscal year 23 draft budget on March 7th. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time now for the second subscriber-supported public service announcement. This Friday, an art auction will be held at the Fries Spring Beach Club to help raise funds for a sustainable medical clinic in rural Peru. The Sisters Project Peru was created to increase access to healthcare in order to improve quality of life and empower women in Wakawasi, a rural village in the Sacred Valley of Peru. The art auction will be held from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. with light refreshments and live music. 
COVID protocols are in effect and masks will be required. Learn more at sistersprojectperu.org. Registration in advance is required. One more segment to go today, and it's a bit of a fire sale. Sorry. In the early part of the city council meeting, Fire Chief Hezadine Smith had a long conversation with the five elected officials. Smith has been in the position since December of 2020, and he wanted to reflect on the time so far. There's been a lot of tragedy within our community, and um, fortunately our firefighters they remain committed in terms of serving the community to their fullest in spite of COVID, in spite of all the other challenges that they face. Last year, a structure fire on Cherry Avenue killed two people, the first fatalities from a fire since 2010. Smith said another challenge was the fire on January 13th at the Charlottesville Towers apartment complex in North Downtown. No one was killed, but many residents were displaced and returned to smoke-damaged units. Uh, we're committed. We're embracing the forces that are impacting uh, the 21st Century Fire and Emergency Services in our community and certainly in alignment with what's going on across the United States. Charlottesville is no stranger to multi uh, all hazards type incidents that we have to be prepared to respond to. During his time, the fire department has adopted a strategic plan, which is employee driven. Chief Smith said the goal is to become a 21st century fire service, as defined by a white paper issued by the Center for Public Safety Excellence. But alongside that, there's an EMS agenda for the future, which kind of looks at how you should prepare yourselves now as we move forward into the future and what are the elements related to them, to, to an EMS system. So Fortunately for us, we are a fire-based EMS system service model, which is a little bit different than it was years ago, where we're just focused only on fire. We're all hazards department. Before Smith arrived, the Federal Emergency Management Agency awarded Charlottesville a nearly $3.5 million grant under the Staffing for Adequate Fire and Emergency Response Program, otherwise known as SAFER. That allowed the fire department to hire 15 additional personnel. Last year, the dispatched system was changed in order to speed up response times. About eight minutes, ideally. That's the framework that we have established. And ultimately, we've demonstrated through a GIS at, um, analysis to confirm that we should be able to reasonably arrive at an incident within that period of time. That dispatch system also matches the system used by Albemarle County in order to help regional cooperation and mutual aid. And we're just basically trying to align our protocols and our response model to meet the needs of our community. So at any one time, we know where all our units are located in the city. Smith said that later this month, the fire department will release an app called Pulse Point to alert people to others who are having cardiac arrests nearby in the hopes of getting cardiopulmonary resuscitation happening as early as possible. We provide CPR training. We identify um neighborhoods that are at risk and educate them on proper living and things of that sort. It's not just about running with lights and sirens to medical calls and car accidents and things of that nature. It's actually becoming actually more engaged in our community and educating our community and hopefully they can recognize early signs and symptoms of strokes, heart attack and things of that sort. Smith said data shows that the 10th and Page neighborhood in particular is first in cardiac arrests and third in diabetic emergencies. 
Last year, representatives from the Charlottesville Albemarle Rescue Squad complained to council that the new dispatch system shuts them out of service calls. Smith said he has since met with their chief and other top officials and said they will play a role in the future. Smith's appearance before council came at the same time the budget for fiscal year 23 is being put together, including the five-year capital plan. The draft budget shows an additional spending of $1.2 million for a replacement for the bypass fire station, for a total of $4.2 million in authorizations for bonds that have not yet been issued. Smith hopes council will continue to support this expenditure and consider others in the future. It's dilapidated. It's, it's sad. I don't know how, if you've been in there, but it's, it's unfortunate that our firefighters have to live there. But ultimately, um, uh, the, the Ridge Street Fire Station is, also needs to be on the, on the map, on the roadmap as well, because that is uh, just as old, if not older, if I'm not mistaken, with cracks in the wall that we've been monitoring for a number of years. The Ridge Street Station was built in 1959. The bypass station was built in 1950, according to the city's property records. Senior budget analyst Chrissy Hamill said that additional money should fully fund the project. Chief Smith also said firefighters also have to be paid more and said they are not making as much as those in Albemarle. And I am pleading with you to support our firefighters because it ties in with retention, it ties in with recruitment, it ties in with their families. I can probably count on one hand how many of them live in the city of Charlottesville. They travel for hours sometimes to come and serve this community. There will be more on this topic, certainly in the weeks, months, days, and years to come. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, really putting the Charlottesville in this one with three segments from City Council. There will be another episode of this. It might come out tomorrow. It might come out on Thursday. There's a lot I still want to get to, and it might be better to wait till Thursday and just work all day to bring you something great Thursday morning. I do try to get these out before noon, but uh, that often doesn't happen. Today, I had to do a lot of research into this one, and I'm glad I did because that's what people are supporting this service for. It is just me, an independent journalist, doing this work. And of course, I am buttressed by the hundreds of supporters who are already chipping in and hoping that there will be many more to support the many more episodes of Charlottesville Community Engagement that are in the future. How many and at what speed? I don't know right now, but, you know, it's going to come. If you would like to join those folks, you can look at infoseville.com. That is the archive, Information Charlottesville, uh, which, of course, is solely right now just town crier production content. But who knows what that will look like in the future. However, maybe we'll get there. The future begins as soon as I finish this installment, I guess. I am Sean Tubbs, and I really do thank you for listening. Please do send on this, the podcast, or the written version to somebody. There's uh, a lot of people who live in this community, and there are a lot of decisions that I think maybe they should know about and weigh in. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in the near future. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and stay yourself. And uh, seriously, uh, I do, if you have any questions, please drop me a line. Lots, I'm here to try to explain this stuff. I'm Sean Tubbs, and goodbye. Goodbye.